Seishura, the Music Explorers podcast. I'm Jim Jam. I'm Scoob Magoon. And uh, so, you know, we're, we're nearing the end of the year. We've already done uh, the first uh, sort of episode of our, like, best of the year uh, segments, uh, which was uh, best album art of the year, which I actually really enjoyed that. I thought that, that was a fun episode. Uh, you know, we I, I, was, I was also really surprised that we didn't pick any similar like any uh any of the same album art uh i was expecting some overlap but um yeah so uh this this next day this episode today is uh sort of what we're calling uh discoveries which basically means uh we're talking about stuff that we sort of found uh out about or listened to for the first time you know, uh, this year that really clicked with us, uh, you know, and it doesn't, it, the idea is that it didn't come out this year, it came out, you know, any time before this year, uh, because, you know, there's an infinite amount of music out there and nobody can listen to it all. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's kind of, it's cool to see where people's musical journey sort of, you know, take them. So uh, we, we thought it'd be cool to sort of talk about our top 10 respectively. And uh, Scott, do you just want to get right into it? Well, uh, you know, I, instead of what well, we'll do, the same thing we did last week. Uh, you know, just talking about your entire list and then moving on to my list, basically. Sure, we could do that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I cheated, but I, <laughs> um, I did some genre. Uh, yeah, I did a couple genres. And a few bands, and then also some specific albums. For each one, I have a specific album or two that I, I would mention, but they're all distinct categories. Uh, just because I feel like um, there was a lot that I opened my eyes to this year, uh, mm-hmm. that especially genre wise, I felt that was worth talking about. Uh, the I, first, I mean, of... the, 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 there's there's no like right or wrong way to do one of these lists, especially since it's it's you know. It, it, this is our whole thing so you know what like people have a problem they can they can fuck right off so yeah that's, I figured you'd, you'd give me your blessing um, I mean I always do Scott <laughs> always do. Uh, so the first one is uh, this is gonna sound almost a little ridiculous that I'm listening to this as a discovery because obviously I knew about these guys um, before this year but it just it didn't it didn't click it just, it, for some reason, it didn't click the way it has for so many people. One of the most beloved bands of all time. Uh, oh my god, Limp Biscuit, $3 bill, y'all? Yes, that one. Fuck yes! Almost, that's an honorable mention. But the, uh. real, the real first one is, it has to be the Beatles. I think th- this is, oh, this right, is right. the year where finally, it, you know, I've progressively, slowly been building up to this point where I would consider myself a Beatles fan. Uh, you know, again, not not like a you know a super hard you know strong stance. Like, hey, I like the Beatles. Like, it's kind of <laughs> like, okay, dude. Like, everyone fucking loves the Beatles. <laughs> but like, it was a long journey, and I've I've talked you know ad nauseum on the, on this podcast and on our you know previous podcast. You know, my parents just didn't play them growing up, and I just I grew up with kind of a, uh, I guess a holier than thou complex of you know like the Beatles are they're overrated. They're I mean you know, and like you know. You know, I, I mean, I, I come from someone who's listened to them since, you know, I was a child. You know, they they kind of are, but... Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely... Um, I do think they're overrated, and this, the, you know, I don't want to get too sidetracked on that. Yeah. You know, obviously, we've talked about it before. Um, but I think I framed it in a way of, like, their music is bad overrated, not just like, uh, the way that they've been talked okay. about is overrated. And yeah. it was... Specific, you know, to, just to keep with you know what I said, um, uh, just to keep you know offer a specific album. I I would say that Revolver was really the album yeah. that I, I had never listened. You know, I'd listened to Sgt. Pepper's, I'd listened to Abbey Road, you know, some of the White Album. I'd obviously heard so many of their songs, you know, in different contexts over the years. But just sitting down listening to Revolver for you know whatever whatever it is about that album. 
it really, really clicked for me. And they, that that is probably my favorite yeah. Beatles album as well. So like so kind of kind of a weird pick for a quote unquote discovery, but I think just the significance of the band and the fact that it took me so long to get into them, the the fact that I actually do enjoy them now and it just it really you know, it's, I mean, it's a band that I love. I'm I'm going to be dropping some big names too, so you know, no, no worries there. Yeah. Um. So just 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 going to keep going. Yeah. 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 Just keep going. I I'll, uh, I'll interject and interrupt with my comments every so yeah, often. Yeah. Just want to make sure, <laughs> just to clarify, we're doing what yeah. we did last week. Uh, but you know, I I've listened to the vast majority of like key death metal albums. Uh that have come out over the, you know, over the nineties and, mm. you know, probably you know, I'd say late, late eighties, early nineties, there's a set number of death metal albums or at least death metal bands. You really like quote unquote have to listen to if you're really serious about the genre, you know, it's one of my favorite genres. Um, there aren't many that I think are bad. There are, um, I think there's only one band who I really just have never been able to get into. And that's uh, obituary. Uh, really? so that, that, that is a band. I think I'm going to keep trying uh, just because they're so highly regarded and they yeah, li- I... literally are the only like major death metal, you know, like forefather that I just genuinely don't like. Um, is there just a, is it more just, it just hasn't clicked yet or is there, is, is there something just really about it that, that you can I, sort of point at? I, I just, I think, I think the, the best way to put it, and I don't even think this is a good way, but the best way I can describe it is that, the whole pace the pace of their music just feels very sluggish like that's the word i keep coming back to like it feels like everything is just just needs a little bit extra energy like none of the riffs are necessarily bad none of the performances are necessarily bad just it's so low energy and just after a while i just feel really bored. like because they kind of they play a more groovy mid-paced style of death metal and mm. it's not like it's not like crunchy and dirty enough to be like to hit on kind of the elements of sludge that I like, but it also doesn't have all the elements of like death metal that I enjoy. So it kind of hits this middle ground that doesn't really like sometimes when you say they hit a middle ground, it's like they find a balance of two great things. In this case, I feel like they just are sitting in like a weird ditch in between two, two areas. And like, um, (laughs) just letting their Jane, their, their jeans get stained with mud. Exactly. (laughs) So that that's a band I still you know each year I'm like I need to get into obituary just not not my thing, Uh, but there's also like kind of a second you know there's second third however many layers you want to add of kind of deep cuts that once you've listened to you know the suffocation albums the the cannibal corpse death morbid angel you know what whatever there's some kind of lesser hit that are equally as good a lot of times um, they're bands that just release one album and we're done or only release one big album that everyone loved but then after that it was just kind of uh um yeah like, just like, kind just of like kind of visible, that, like sort of like, a, like possessed seven churches yeah like where like their second album just wasn't really received and then they they went away or band like um uh dismember where dismember released uh like an ever flowing stream everyone loved that and then subsequent albums just kind of were like eh, that's just not as good um, kind of like Entombed is a great example. Like Entombed had like three of the be- best and most celebrated death metal albums in history, and ever since they've been kind of anywhere from a joke to just irrelevant. Uh, but there's so one album, almost like In Flames, but not just <laughs> yeah. Well, In Flames yeah. is a whole new level of what happened, man. Um, so, <laughs> but there's one album I've always thought like the cover really stuck out to me. Never listened to it for whatever reason. Listen to it this year, and it's fantastic, fantastic. I think. Let me check real quick while I'm, I'm uh, while I reveal it that they're Swedish because it's just it's really great Swedish death metal and that is Carnage Dark Recollections. It is a just a absolutely fantastic, um, fantastic, and they are yes, they are Swedish. I was gonna say it has yeah. that it has like kind of the buzzsaw you'd expect from Entombed, but it's a little bit. They vary it up. Like, they have a few blast beat sections. Entombed ne- was never really lean on the blast beats. They really were uh, focused on the tone of the guitar and the, the driving D beat uh, style. Love that tone, man. No, and it's fantastic. But I feel like Carnage yeah. kind of took it in. Uh, they kind of took it in that direction. Or they took, they, took that, um, they took that foundation and went into a more pure 
death metal direction, but not like kind of ironically to bring this this little segment full circle. Like unlike what Obituary have been able to do, they bridge the gap between that Swedish kind of uh, buzzsaw guitar tone and kind of what was happening with just standard death metal. And there's a lot of dynamic songwriting. It's just great riffs, and I'm really glad I finally, um, I finally finally listened to. Uh, listen to this album you know it's just nice. I always love the cover if you look it up it's really really cool I mean a lot of 90s death metal covers were awesome um, but I just I think it's a great great album and I'm I'm, I'm running out of those kind of 90s death metal gems so you, I mean you, you know how like Trevor Sternet does um, he does that column every so often about yeah. like yeah I, I, I feel like that's where you need to go next almost like finding like these really obscure like, like yeah yeah just, i think that's, like, that's where i'll head because i i need i need my new death metal fix you know, <laughs> every once in a while i'm like you know what i need a new old school death metal album oh that uh, is a really cool cover too yeah, yeah. no that, that's why when i saw it i was like i just you know i've never listened to that i really should and i was like holy shit this is awesome oh man um, the, 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 that's like hr geiger level shit yeah. but it's like but but it's like very warm instead yeah. of instead of like cold and with like tons of penises everywhere. So <laughs> exactly. Um, so now, so on... in that way, it's nothing like yeah. Tiger. <laughs> anyway, so now on to something completely different. The only reason these are back to back is because of uh, just alphabetical order. Um, yeah, there are only a handful of genres I would. Well, you know, up until now, I would say I didn't listen to or didn't like, and it took. A very unlikely album to make me enjoy this genre, but it, it happened this year. I the, the one of the last, probably the last like big core genre I said I didn't like folded away this year. I can, can I make a guess on this one? Sure. Uh, Lavender County. It Lavender is Country. Lavender Country. Yeah, and it is country music. Now I I yeah. haven't I haven't started listening to the you know, like top country radio or like kind of the basically the twangy pop rock that's popular today not but, yet <laughs> yeah not yet but i saw this this it was an article from pitchfork where they were talking about how lavender country was releasing a new their first album in like years upon years um they i think their first album since 1973 and i uh you know i thought i'd give it a shot it said it was like the first known you know LGBTQ or like gay themed album country music and I was like hold up I gotta hear this um, and it something about it just really opened opened my eyes and I think not only was the music because there have been elements you know like people like Father John Misty and, and other folk artists I listen to pull from country you know like it's, it's not that I didn't like elements of country it's just that the music itself and just full on country never really appealed to me but I think what really put it over the top was the lyricism. Because, of course, what country is really about is great storytelling. You know, that's really what has popularized it over... What it's supposed to be about. Well, yeah, exactly. That's that's what original country. And a lot of these stories were just heartbreaking, but also eye-opening and really funny and really uh, revealing. There's one specific song... Um, I can't shake the stranger out of you, which not only is super, um, super well written, great country hit, but the whole point of the song is he's talking about how and the the lead guy, uh, his name is Patrick, um, oh, damn it, Patrick Haggerty. He's talking about how back in the day, obviously, you know, in the seventies, you know, gay people, you know, wasn't really um, okay to be out and gay as it is now, uh, or the better as it is now. And the idea being that you could have all this great sex and all these kind of physical relationships with people, but you could never really shake the stranger out of these people because you could never actually be anything more than just a passing fling or like secretive about your relationship. Mm. And the way that he he sang it and the way that he wrote it was kind of funny and clever, but also heartbreaking at the same time. And there's a lot of other songs like that um, and kind of lyrics like that. If for, if for some reason, it just clicked for me. And... Uh, to be fair, I, I've I haven't dove into it um, too deeply, and also I haven't listened to a lot of uh, what you might say is a lot of the essentials. But I found a number of artists that kind of fit 
what I like. For example, Katie Lang, uh, Lucinda Williams. Uh, I really like Willie Nelson. Uh, I've, I've bought a few of their CDs and listened to them over the years. And obviously I bought the Lavender Country album I mentioned. And it's just, it, it's, it's glad, I'm glad that I could finally say I enjoy a genre that forever I've, has been like the pariah of all the core genres that are mm. you know, popular today. Um, I, I get you. I'm, I'm still trying to get over that hump a little bit. So <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I totally feel it. Given it as someone who, you know, for the last however many years, my go-to was, uh, actually, it's funny, um, you, you know the band Monobody? Yeah. Yeah, so they, uh, their guitarist, his side project, I forget what the name of the band is, but they, uh, they named their debut album that they came out this year, Everything But Rap and Country. Because the you know the whole thing, people are like, oh, I like everything except rap and country, and they're like, okay, well, do you like this experimental math rock? And or it's it's like I've seen memes before where this you know people are like, oh, like I listen to everything. It's like, oh, really? What's your favorite favorite experimental math grind album? <laughs> like something like that. Uh, I mean, it, it there's an air of elit- elitism to it, but I'm not I'm not afraid to call myself an elitist on some things. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that 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 was a, a huge one for me. Um, nice, nice. So I'll talk about these next two together, even though they're outside of alphabetical order, just because they're kind of in the same uh, vein. But similar to wanting to listen to old school death metal, I like listening to old school black metal. I like finding, um, you know, old school albums that I kind of that second layer of deep cuts. Kind of like, mm-hmm. do you remember when iTunes used to do that? Like they used to have those genre playlists, and they would do like essentials. You know, oh, deep cuts I, and then diamonds. That, and th- that, that does ring a bell, but it's been it's been so long. <laughs> yeah, they would have like I think like fifty or song. Like they would have like for example, grunge. They would have like spells like Teen Spirit on like the first playlist, and the second one they have you know something by like Silverchair or whatever. They would have like a, like a, de- a deeper cut. Um, yeah. That's kind of what I try to do with this. And the two albums, the first one is uh, Nexus Polaris by a band called Covenant. They were actually one of my albums of the week. Uh, yes, yes, uh, a little while that. back, just fantastic symphonic black metal, which is not you know it's not my favorite style uh, of the you know of the the genre, but it's just the the way that they the way that they used um, symphonics to their their benefit in the songwriting. Like I feel like a lot of times, to me at least, it feels like kind of pretty standard black metal with just some synths and some like orchestral elements that at the time frankly didn't sound that great given the production quality mm. um just kind of thrown in the mix but this felt like they really wrote wrote their black metal around the symphonic elements and just kind of helped incorporate into a much more um complete recording and it just it, it's it's a great great album uh the nice. next i saw this band is uh, i think for the first time either ever or in quite some time uh performing in America at Maryland Death Fest uh, this coming in 2020. They're playing this album in full. This is their big release that everyone knows. It's uh, Sacramentum, Far Away from the Sun. Uh, it's a melodic black metal album in the, in the vein of Dissection and um, those kind of bands. I mean, frankly, when you talk about melodic back black metal, everyone's just compared to Dissection. And uh, I think it's Sword of the Light's Bane. Um, which is, is a fantastic yeah. album. This definitely gave that album a run, uh, a run for its money. I mean, th- this was equally fast, but also melodic and distinguishing itself from the typical kind of melancholic, melodic riffing black metal has by just kind of adding a little bit more of a refined metal edge to it. That's to me, is what's always differentiated melodic black metal um, from just kind of the standard way that the genre is written. And I, I thought this album was fantastic. Uh, nice. Hoping nice. to find it uh, on CD someday because also I really like the um, I like their logo I like the the, the cover and I just it's one it's one of those albums uh, sometimes older metal albums bands were just kind of finding their groove in the style and they totally lost steam songwriting wise but this was perfectly paced and remained interesting throughout so I really this is an album I really want to buy some older metal albums I'm glad I listened to them but I kind of put them to the wayside this is. This is a fantastic one. Is, is this one of those metal albums that hasn't been like reissued in like forever, and like you they, know, it's impossible to get a hold of? They do have a Bandcamp page, so there's I think there's hope that maybe it's on the horizon. The fact that they're actually coming out of hiding to do 
Maryland Death Fest, but I don't remember. I don't think that they had any physical media on their band camp. But hopefully they do a reissue because, or even a new album. Uh, you know, there's always those those bands that kind of come out of uh, retirement or they, they kind of have a late career gem. And like for example, I yeah. think I think I think Incantation has really been enjoying a late career uh, resurgence. Not only because a lot of bands are playing death metal in their style, but just generally they're writing good music. Um, so hopefully I uncover that. Uh, the next one, this is. I think I bought the first of two CDs I purchased from them really, really late last year, but didn't really listen to it till the beginning of this year. And I just bought my second album by them uh, this past weekend, actually. I was surprised to find it and was glad I did because I loved, love what this band's doing. Uh, and they always seemed like a band I would like, but just never listened to them. And finally, as soon as I put on the first album, I was just like, fuck, this is, this is insane. And this is uh, Gigon. They are a contemporary death metal band. It's basically kind of like Origin, like that really okay. intense tech death, but super weird, space-themed, and they, they don't sing, but they, their lyrics are all about space monsters and just <laughs> diabolical monsters and stuff like that which is awesome um and they have the most pretentious long-winded ridiculous titles either uh so the first album i bought with it by them was called multi-dimensional fractal sorcery and super science which is amazing <laughs> and then the album i just bought this weekend is called uh quasi hallucinogenic sonic landscapes amazing the funny um, thing is like they, the that isn't even as as like full-blown as like you know some album titles get i mean like fiona apple is yes is one that comes to my mind but one that one that immediately sprang to my mind was uh kiaji haino oh he, yeah those he, he those just has like sentences. the yeah he, he it's it's not even full he, he has like a poem he has like an entire poem for a fucking title that's <laughs> true but i i feel like these titles are like actual titles like those don't even feel like yeah. titles to me um, oh, it's it. I mean, they 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 really aren't. It's it's more just like a mass of words that means nothing, um, kind of like I, I don't know. It, like I I feel like it's just a matter of time before somebody like takes the entire first book of Paradise Lost and just puts that as their album title. Yeah. <laughs> so, but oh, anyway, getting getting off topic. <laughs> yeah, but th this is just incredible. Like in your face tech death. Uh, it's fast, it has intriguing riffs, it has great atmospheres, and I, there were always a band, I was like, they look interesting, because actually, they're named after my favorite uh, Godzilla monster, uh, or they're, they're the, my favorite uh, uh, kaiju. Uh, I, I just, I, for some reason, I've always loved uh, Gigon, just the, the way the way that it, it looks, and... Um, I, I, I didn't know you were a big kaiju guy. I do. I really do like. Uh, I grew up watching a lot of the Godzilla movies with my dad, um, and Gigon was always my was always my favorite. Um, weird movies. Probably should not have watched them as young as I did. But oh uh, no, 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 the the the, the, the impressionable ones are fun. Yeah, but like you know, like when you're really young. I mean, like Star watching Star Wars as a kid for me that was eye opening. Even <laughs> though I I think we're talking about you know little different things. It, like, but still. Uh, but, but but yeah, this is uh, definitely one of my favorite uh, favorite death metal finds of the year, and and they are a band I'm looking forward to following into the future. Their last album came out in 2017, so there is still hope that maybe next year um, we'll get something new. They kind of have taken their time with their releases over the course of their career. They think they formed in the mid 2000s, so hopefully. And come out with something because I I am I'm hooked I'm hooked on a hooked on a Gigon feeling. Um, <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm a recovering Gigon addict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so next is the first of two that I can uh, really credit specifically to this podcast. You know, one of the many reasons I love doing this. Nice. Um, and this is a band that it's one of those you know either talking with you or other people where it's like you know. You know, what do you think about this band? Oh, I haven't listened to them. It's like, what? Yeah, we've not listened to them. I'm like, I know, I just haven't. And I'm glad we finally listened to them. 
it has to be King Crimson. Yes. I mean, just like as soon as I put on 21st Century Schizoid, like, oh, I mean, putting aside the fact that that I will never be able to unhear the Kanye West sample. Yeah. um, I mean, it it doesn't really matter because that song is fantastic. That album's fantastic. And just after listening to it, I was like, how did I, how did I wait so long? Like, it's kind of ridiculous. I just, it's again, it's just one of those just hadn't listened to them. And I was so glad that we, uh, you know, we had the excuse to listen to them because they were finally uploaded to streaming services, and it was the, you know, fiftieth anniversary of uh, in the court of the Crimson King. Just, I mean, just an exceptional prog rock band, like really, yeah, really incredible. I, I, I think of my finds this year, this might be my favorite, only because um, it just it was such a great discovery. Like I, I thought I would like them. Like I really had no doubts that I would at least enjoy what they were doing to some, you know, some mm. extent, even not love it, but just to like to, to put it on and be like, yes, like this is the shit. Well, I I think what's more amazing is that like that that's not even like their best album. Like we we both like Lark's Tongues, yep. much more, mm-hmm. uh, and Red, which is I think that's just amazing that you're able to, you know, sort of pick and choose when you know like like I, I think there are a lot of bands in that vein that like you really only pick a couple of, like who remembers the rush album like counterparts like nobody does everybody remembers mm-hmm. 2112 and moving pictures you know yeah uh but but i mean i i don't even know if they're worth comparing because like king crimson is, is like an on another level of prog yeah uh, for sure but anyway <laughs> yeah i i mean did the you know, spoiler. Uh, yeah, I I also uh, picked King Crimson, but I, I will talk about uh, it a little later on. So, nice. Yeah. So we actually, because you you thought we'd have at least one cover, like, and we didn't. But now we, we know we have a, at least one. Uh, yeah. At least one discovery. Like, uh, I guarantee the next one is not on your list. Uh, this is a folk band that um, have kind of had a career resurgence the last several years. And again, another one that I was like, I should really listen to them. And one day, out of nowhere, I was like, you know what? I just feel like listening to their uh, their new albums. They just came out with a new album this year, and they have released a series of albums that I just started with the the first one, an album about pro wrestling, and it it just oh okay, it yeah. just totally. I was like, fuck, this is amazing, and it's uh, the Mountain Goats. They are a, like a really prolific, well-regarded uh, folk rock, Americana, indie folk, singer-songwriter. They, they kind of run the gamut of, of that uh, kind of world of, of, of styles, you know, in, in the, the folk realm. And uh, I'm so fucking bad at names. John Darnielle. Thank you. John Darnielle, the yeah. main guy. Um, his, his storytelling, uh, his distinct vocals... The way that uh, he kind of they stay within pretty distinct styles, but over the course of each album, do something different. And the way that he uses lyricism to help with that, um, and the way that he truly does craft uh, concept albums, but in a way that touches on larger themes. Like for example, the uh, "Beat the Champ" album really talks about some pretty significant. Uh, kind of musings on life and death and, and love and loss and, and just you know, the large issues that we always grapple with through the, the lens of pro wrestling in a way that didn't feel kitschy or didn't feel um, uh, it did, didn't feel like it was it was forced or a gimmick or anything. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I guess to some extent you could say it's a gimmick just because it's kind of a weird thing to write an album about. But I feel like he wrote it in a way that felt genuine and it was really really enjoyable. Uh, you know, I bought a yeah. several of his uh, several other of his albums this year, but uh, the Sunset Tree, you know, Sunset Tree is another example where it kind of it was all about life and and kind of uh, trouble trouble at home, trouble with family, trouble you know, kind of fitting in and whatnot, and with uh, with how things were going, just both both internally and externally, a coming of age album. And he did it in a way where each each one kind of focused on a different topic, but felt again felt complete, and mm. just really really glad I, I checked it out. You know, I've, I've always been a huge folk fan, and, and it was you know really about time. 
Um, yeah, nice. Hey, also, li- little little fact that I just learned the other day: uh, John Darnielle is also a novelist. So um, that doesn't surprise me, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, to, to be totally honest, it kind of pisses me off because I'm just like, come on, like, like, like I, another one of those like polymaths or like people who think <laughs> that they're polymaths. Like, come on, yeah. man, like, like, give up that space to someone else. Like, I, I eat me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But enough of me being being a jealous dick. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's totally fair. Um. So next is yeah, only a couple more. Sorry, I was thrown off by the fact that uh, I combined my two black metal albums. But oh, right. Um. Another album that I or another genre that I thought I would never like. Uh, the has been melted away in part because of this this podcast and also just because of another contemporary album, uh, and that is power metal. It's, oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. happening. And, you know, we, we did that great uh, Avantasia Dare where I was kind of you know fascinated but also like horrified, but in in kind of a an enjoy. It was it was a, a lot of weird emotions going on at the same time. <laughs> Um, I've actually thought about getting that for you for Christmas, <laughs> just as almost as like a joke. It's but almost like, like I, I like this, but I don't know why I do, and I don't yeah. know what's going on, and it, it just it was, it, it was, yeah, it was it was interesting. But, I was but, I was glad I checked it out, and also I've listened to a lot of Blind Guardian since. I, I was going to say like, it, I I thought it was going to be a Blind Guardian album. Yeah, not yeah. not a ton, but just like a, a few key albums, and uh, de- definitely glad that I, I I'm slowly getting in there. Yeah, I also, I mean, I guess to an extent, I, I bought Brave New World by Iron Maiden, which is not a power metal album per se, but definitely it got I, the Iron Maiden's always flirted around. Yeah, that exactly. Area. It got the wheels turning a little bit more in that regard too. Um, yeah. So yeah. And finally, this one, unfortunately, was prompted by the lead frontman's passing. But, again, a band that I have always wanted to check out and really love of the 80s vibes and love the way that they kind of pioneered a genre while also sounding entirely their own. That is Talk Talk. You know, you, you definitely, mm-hmm. definitely hear the influences on post-rock, you know, shoegaze, those kind of dream, dreamy, um, those kind of dreamy genres, uh, but they still were entirely their own. You know, mm-hmm. you could see how, you know, bands like Slint and other people extrapolated from what they were doing, but, um, and then of course they created some amazing 80s synth pop bangers to an, to an extent, as much, as much as you, probably, I don't know if they would appreciate their music being called bangers, but like, you know, it's my life. Uh, the first time I heard the original version versus the no doubt version, I was like, "Wow, man, this is what it's about." Um, yeah, I oh my god, that that, that no doubt version. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it gives me nightmares of uh, working at Goodwill. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's my. Uh, that's that's what I got. A nice really man. interesting year of discoveries. A lot of. Uh, a lot of odd choices all around. Yeah, I I am I'm with you. I you know, for me personally my um my list was a little different. You went more for genres. I mostly just picked uh single albums. Uh mm-hmm. the, there are a couple of exceptions uh throughout it. But I just kind of uh cuz I I had a a little bit of a list that I had to kind of like weed through and I just tried to take um sort of the widest variety uh genre-wise and sort of but 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 also you know trying to mix that with like what really had a profound effect on me this year, so uh, yeah I'm just going in this alphabetical order. So um, first up is uh, Blood Incantation, uh, Starspawn. Nice. Uh, you know I I'd spent a lot of like the early summer listening to like a lot of death metal, uh, while just you know while out on walks and stuff like that. Uh, time well spent, and uh, yeah. Starspawn was probably one of my favorites that i listened to it was just a uh you know like i, I mean would you call them a technical death death metal band to an extent yeah i mean like, not everything has to be you know 
super clean and precise to be considered yeah, technical. Yeah, like yeah. it's it. I mean, it, it has that edge to it. I guess yeah. is is maybe the best way to describe it. But you know, like I I really loved how sort of they were able to structure songs and sort of how they include these clean passages sometimes. Uh, you know, and how it all sort of came together. Uh, to be to be fair, I I haven't listened to this a whole lot. Actually, with, with a lot of these, um, I've only listened to some of these only like once. Um, you know, but they they definitely have like last such a lasting effect on me that I you know I either own them now or I am planning on buying them at some point in the future. Um, so like that that was probably the biggest one for metal this year for me was was Blood and Conditions Star Spawn. Uh, and you know, hearing the new album was was really cool too. You know, uh, not sure where it's gonna place for next week's episode for our top albums of the year, but we'll see. Um, next up is uh, Kate Bush, uh, the Sensual World. So you know, beforehand, I I I've been a Kate Bush fan for a few years now. Um, ever since I I bought, I think I bought Hounds of Love on like a. Um, just sort of like a blind purchase and it was an amazing amazing purchase um but i you know i i had tried some of her other albums including uh the dreaming and i just couldn't get into it and uh but i ended up getting this this particular album the central world for like it was like 2.99 at bonus wow so i was like you know just hell yeah just do that up um so I ended up listening to that and it was really really good like it and it ended up opening me up to the, uh her other album the dreaming and I, i'm i'm really hoping to buy uh the rest of her discography uh you know in the near future so because just I, i've just been so uh enthralled with everything that she's done that, that i've heard so far um you know i, I mean sadly it can only it can only kind of go down from here because she only has a handful of albums and like you know hounds of love is you know is always regarded as the top so Mm -hmm. uh but at the same time there are some like like her debut the uh the kick inside is supposed to be like like a lot of people really love that album so it's really interesting to see some you know an artist with such a varied uh you know discography just in terms of how it's been received um yeah so um this next one is actually from has been inspired by this podcast because uh on our we did a industrial episode uh a while back and this was one of my favorite listens from it uh control bleeding uh needs and bones um i was so blown away by like this this album it's like you know it's it's just you know quintessential death industrial uh just absolutely like ear shatteringly brutal uh but at the same time it it i and i think this is what turned me off originally from it when i tried to listen to it before was just like um it it takes a couple you know uh minutes to really sort of click for you um like it it, it's it's not like it it goes it's not like a mersbau record where it's just like pummeling noise from the first second I think that there's a lot more uh, like dynamics, like uh, dynamic song structure kind of going on, uh, which I, I think ends up you know giving it uh, you know just this really interesting quality. And I I think it's you know I I think a sign of a great album or just even a great piece of art is the uh, sort of the artist's ability to contrast alternating uh you know themes or what have you just this this idea of uh it's what's called like eros or uh thanatos you know it's you know sort of that idea of um you know sort of it's it's sort of like a yin yang in a way just finding like a, a balance between the two and finding that uh the two opposing forces often complement each other in very mm-hmm. interesting ways so the, the, the this was a great uh, example of that for me this year but um yeah I, i'm really excited i really want to buy this at some point uh i've just been really interested in noise music lately maybe it's because i've started making my own a little mm. more but um yeah I'm, I'm really psyched to to buy this and maybe just check out what other control bleeding albums there are aside from the one that i already have um 
This next one, uh, I've talked about this before, is actually in our last uh, sort of bull moose buy video. Uh, it's Luke Ferrari, uh, Louvre Electronique, uh, which is, it's, you know, uh, it's a compilation of, I think, almost his entire work uh, in, in like, musique concrète. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I've known about this for a little bit, but I finally got the chance to listen to it because I, you know, ended up buying it on a whim. And, uh, you know, it really paid off. It's a really interesting album. Like, I, I just have a really big interest in sort of early electronic music and sort of how the genre has grown since then. That's why, like, uh, Pauline, there's a Pauline Oliveros collection called uh, Reverberations that I have on my shelf that I really enjoy, too. That's, you know, I, in comparison to today's technology, it's so, it's like just, it, 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 it's it's almost like Flintstones, basically. It's 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 it's, it's like two men smashing a rock together to try to make fire. You know, it's it's insane how much technology has has just kept increasing. Uh, you know, but there's something really cool just listening to those sounds and seeing what's there. Did you just turn on Siri? <laughs> oh, by accident, I picked up my phone. <laughs> oh, what? I, I I was hoping you would ask Siri something. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> Siri, what what's your favorite Luke Ferrari composition? Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I was uh, I'm really I'm really psyched to own this. You know, it's 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 definitely not something I am gonna put on all the time. But this was one of those, you know, uh, I I I like ha- being able to experience this idea of like sound art of. You know, instead of focusing on the melody of something, focusing instead on the textures involved in it and just the, the the literal sound of it. You know, mm-hmm. um, that that that's always been an interest to me. So it's just cool to just sort of be able to add that to my collection and be like, you know, I I can sort of just put this on whatever now. Um, so next up is uh, King Crimson. You know, <laughs> we, yeah. we talked about this already. I oh. was, yeah, I. I mean, I I think I might be with you. This might be the discovery of the year for me. Uh, just so, like, just like like Robert Fripp like just sawed the top of my head off with these albums. Uh, that like specifically the, the three albums that we listened to. Um, I'm just gonna say Lark's Tongues and Aspic, just because that's probably my favorite out of out of them. But um, I mean this. You know the, those listenings that we did, really like they they got to me so much that I mean I'm planning on buying King Crimson's entire discography, including uh-huh. like a, a couple of live albums. Um, you know j- just because I've just been so blown away by these three albums, uh, you know. So I, I I really can't wait to listen to more of what they have. Uh, I actually just had um, a song from their album Discipline on today called uh, Frame by Frame, which is amazing just a fucking incredible song adrian bellew's vocals are just haunting kind of uh but it's 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 a really interesting like like it's i i i think what sets king crimson apart from the rest of of prog is that they're sort of able to take you know uh new developments in genres and technology and apply them to their music in a way that still doesn't um, dissolve the core of what makes the band the band. Like I, you know, for instance, like um, everybody hates that Yes album that they did in the eighties. That um, I, th- I think it, is it the one that has uh, you know uh, owner of a lonely heart. I think. Oh, yep, that, I don't yeah. know what it's called, but I know exactly. Yeah, what you're about. Uh, I, I mean, I know the album cover. It's like the pie chart or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like people famously hate that album. But you know, it's Yes, a prog rock band trying to take uh you know new wave and synth pop influences and try to apply it to their music and whereas you know king crimson on their album discipline on i think beat as well uh there are a couple of albums that they did in like the 80s that were very very new wavy um and it still went over pretty well with fans so it's you know it's just very interesting to sort of you know just to see how that that's even possible so yeah it's really um, interesting. Yeah, because you know, I don't listen to the three that we listen to, so I'd be, I would uh, be interested to listen to 
their yeah. foray into those genres. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard, I've heard mixings. I, I, I think King Crimson is 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 a little like, um, you know, they, I, it, they're one of those bands that like I think everybody has a different favorite album. Uh-huh. Um, like you know, uh, just like some people say that like Three of Perfect Pair, which is part of that '80s uh, trilogy of new wave stuff um is is like horrible while others really like it you know it can go either way uh but i, I think just to even see that reaction i think is just really interesting because you, you know like it, it's not something you see a whole lot in in bands in popular music like very rarely are you like i right, do you see people arguing over like i don't know like their favorite beastie boys album or something like that like you know people just go to paul's boutique you know it's uh-huh. or you know so it's um it's definitely interesting so but um moving on uh probably my the the artist that really sort of got to me this year aside from king crimson was uh radiohead uh which you know before uh-huh. I've, I've talked about this yeah before um which to be fair i uh i got into um like so i bought copies of kid a okay computer and a moon-shaped pool, I think last year, or maybe even the year before. I think probably last year, though, and I really started digging those. So this is more about um, material in between uh, Kid A and a moon-shaped pool. So I put down an amnesiac because that's the one I listened to most recently. And uh, like just the opening track packed like uh, like sardines in a crushed tin box. It's just like a great opener. Uh, Pyramid Songs, an awesome track on that. Their version of Morning Bell that they do on that album is really cool too. Um, but you know, so like, Amnesiac, Hail to the Thief. Uh, there's another one that's in there too. I think is it King? I think King Limbs is there it, uh-huh. too. But um, I haven't bought King Limbs yet. But anyway, just I was really impressed by you know just what is sort of Radiohead's dregs in a way to a lot of people like like or at least in comparison to something like OK Computer or Kid A so you know I I'm just surprised how much of how much I'm enjoying the band as a whole uh like I never would have guessed this in a million years <laughs> so um yeah yeah I mean I, I wasn't surprised frankly that you, you would eventually at least tolerate the the big Raiderhead albums, but I think it's it's cool that you've enjoyed the the I guess sleeper hits. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you I ask mean, the indie blogosphere, I mean, there's there's no such thing as a bad Raiderhead album. So, I well, but, except for Pablo Honey, but <laughs> well, okay, yeah, but that's yeah, yeah which we, we've talked about. I think we talked about that on our last episode, actually. Yeah, the, the, um, the fact the fact that people take take issue with a perfectly inoffensive Brit pop album or you know, yeah. Brit rock album. But that's, yeah, that's basically. Fine. Neither here so, nor there. Yeah. So uh, next one is another kind of an easy one. Uh, the Smiths. Uh, it's the their debut, the self titled debut. Uh-huh. Um, you know, to be fair, again, I, I listened to this last year, maybe in the year before when we did our Smiths episode, uh, and it, in a very earlier incarnation of this podcast. Um, and I remember when I listened to that, I was not a fan of it. Like, Reel Around the Fountain is just... I, I mean, I, I'll go on record and say that it is a horrible way to open an album. Not to say that it's a bad song, but it's just like... I, I don't know. Like, it, it just really kind of just put me down. Which, I mean, I, I get it. Smith songs are, are kind of morose and sad. But, like, still. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think what sort of changed my thoughts about this was me sort of, sort of getting into uh, the queen is dead even more to the point that it's, uh, I mean, it's definitely in my top 10 favorite albums of all time. Um, but as well as hearing uh, this charming man sort of on its own and sort of uh, just on that track alone, sort of giving the whole album uh, another try and really enjoying it a lot more. I mean, to be fair, still it's, I, I still would listen to the queen is dead over this i would probably listen to me murder over this as well uh but you know still i i think it's worth shouting out so um next up is uh cecil taylor uh the world of cecil taylor um we 
we I, I listened to this for a uh, free jazz episode that we did uh, near the beginning of the year and uh, I, I you know Cecil Taylor's always gone on record as like one of the most if not I mean aside from like Coltrane like the single most important free jazz musician and I just never saw that like uh, I remember listening to like unit structures and just not enjoying it I remember liking Conquistador, but still it wasn't like anything that I really wanted to get. But, uh, you know, listening to it again, especially this album, The World of Cecil Taylor, it really, I, I really dug this. Uh, Archie Shep is on this thing. It's super, super well done. Uh, you know, it really opened up my eyes to sort of, you know, what Cecil Taylor is capable of. And, you know, I'm really hoping to get some more of his albums in the future. So... Um. Mm. Next up is uh, Unwound, Leaves Turn Inside You, which we just I just talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago for our hardcore punk exploration type of episode. Um, and you know I this this was a tough listen. You know I I probably would have to listen to this again just to kind of get a better grip on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know for like the first half or so I I was not enthused with it. But by by the halfway point, I, there was something in it that, that just really started uh, clicking with me, uh, and it made the entire rest of the album just like an incredible listen to the point that I am planning on buying this just because I, I think you know um, it's cool to have these albums that you sort of get more and more from that you don't exactly love on the first try, but you know you. The, the, I, I guess the, there's like a learning curve. There's opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's always been sort of what I look for in an album, and a, a, you probably see that turn up on my uh, albums of the year list next week, just because of you know, I mostly because I I, I don't I don't like listen to a single album ad nauseum for the most part. Um, I usually like to sort of sample around. So, mm-hmm. you know, like for a lot of albums, for like my albums of the year, I, I've probably listened to them maybe, maybe twice, but mostly just once. But I sort of judge them from their ability to sort of grow on me mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to the parameters of, you know, picking these lists. So, uh, and finally, uh, Towns Van Zant, uh, the self-titled album oh, cool. of Towns Van Zant. Yeah. Um, I mean, did, like like you said, with country, you know, I, I I've had the same thing, but not only with country, but with folk as well. Uh, I've just I there's just something about just uh, sort of I, I I think it I think it has to do with like sort of just having soft music uh, was was kind of uh, a turnoff for me. I think like just having like that soft sad ballad type of stuff. Like I just I for a long time I couldn't even listen to ballads like that because they would make me cry um or, or like dude, they just make me feel sad and i'm like i'm already sad to begin with so like you know <laughs> like I, I think it was just like you, you know when you're a depressed high schooler you know you want to listen to stuff that like pumps you the fuck up so you know like so i went to metallica so i went to like you know the the, the heavier parts of like seether's catalog you know things like that um you know, so it, it took me a while to really grow with the more mellow side of things. So, you know, with folk, like, you know, Jim Croce was a pretty big opening for me, but I think I, was, I sort of listened to him last year. Uh, but I, I ended up just buying this Towns Van Zandt album, uh, just, just total blind purchase. And it was a really cool listen. We even talked about it on an episode not too long ago. Um and it's just a really interesting blend of like folk and country and but but it didn't feel like it was too much of either um you know it's just very like it's just written very well uh and it's a very short album so it sort of really asks you to play it again which again i i, I really like so yeah yeah so he, that, he's another dude that i i just have always wanted to check out but you know for whatever reason have yeah i I, I think I remember uh, one of my roommates talking about him because I think we were talking about like folk or just like my inability to to get into folk and he was like man I love Towns Van Zandt and so I think I just always remembered the name mm-hmm. uh, yeah but I, I don't really know any of his albums aside from this one uh, you know but but it'd be cool to find out 
uh, we'll, we'll see what the new year brings. So that is what we have for today. Uh, you want to do albums of the week? I do indeed. Uh, I'm okay. really excited for this because. We... All right, all right. Let me have it. Because I mean, the, 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 this is probably our final album of the week uh, for the year, if you think about it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess it doesn't make sense to do. Um, yeah. Uh, doesn't make sense to do one next week for our yeah, album, album of the, the year, year, then also so. album of the week. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But we, Lauren was going to sell some clothes at Plato's Closet in Manchester, which is right next to Newbury Comics. So we went there and I was poking around uh, just randomly. Uh, I don't really have any rhyme or reason. I always, usually I, I, I check different sections depending on my mood. And I was looking for the hip, some, you know, in the hip hop section, just, you know, for whatever reason. And what did I find but a $7 copy of uh, The Cold Vein by Cannibal Locks. Really? Uh, I was, because I've never, usually it's like the soup. It was ironic because we went to, um, uh, when we were in Vermont, we went to a record store and I, I saw a copy of uh, that on, on vinyl. And I showed it to her. I was like, man, I've been wanting this album forever. She's like, why don't you get it? And I was like, well, because it's uh, $50. Because it was like it was like the, it was a oh it was the reissue. I think it was a quadruple vinyl because it was you know two sided, you know double vinyl two sided for the actual album. That it was double you know double same thing for the instrumentals. So it was just like that's, super expensive. That, so, that's such a huge cash grab. I know it was, it was it's it's just there's always either it's too expensive, it's new, there's too much you know frankly too much content. Like I just I don't need that much. But I find I've been wanting to buy a copy of this for forever. It's not my favorite underground hip hop album, only because there are just others that I like better. But I still love it a lot. I think it shows, um, it strikes the perfect balance of kind of experimental beats and lyricism and flows for the time, but very accessible kind of East Coast New York hip hop um, roots, you know, the, the, the beats, the LP produces are really spacey and weird. And they really, were not, um, not normal for the time, but on the same token, you could really listen to it as a straight up rap album, you know, mm. like every, everything about it, you know, the flows can be a little wonky here and there. They do some weird things. The lyrics can be pretty dense. I, I mean, I, which I love, I love that they, the way that they rhyme and things, even when there's not a, a ton of wordplay, this, this, the, the sounds and the way that they structure their verses are just so clever and they just it just sounds so nice like even mm -hmm. even when there's not much deep, deep going on it's like fuck that just was really well written um and so i was just stoked that i i've, I've been listening to it you know ever since nonstop. uh really really glad that i uh really really glad that i found it because i really it's one of those albums that every time I'm like yeah i'll check to see if it's there or whatever uh including another album which I will talk about next time we do albums of the week because I'm equally excited about it. But do, do, do you just want to do two this week? Oh, yeah. I, I guess we I, can. I mean, I, I, I'm uh, up for whatever, man. I, we, I liked my little cliffhanger, but um, I mean, I if also, you want, we, we can leave the people hanging. You know, all, no, all, all you know one what? person. So you know <laughs> I, I, I want to talk about it because I was really excited to find this. Uh, there, there is a certain artist who I, I love, and dislike in equal measure depending on the album and it's been really odd because every other album i bought from this artist has been a disappointment you know i buy one album it's phenomenal then i buy the next i'm like Ugh. and it, it's just kind of a weird quirk of just how i happen to buy albums but i there was... i swear to god if you if you say jesus is king again we're, we're dissolving this podcast no and i'm deleting you from my contacts no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> trust me it's not um but this was really the last album that I definitely want to get from this artist, and then we'll go from there. It is uh, Sumum Bukum Umium, or Deaf, Dumb, Blind, by Pharaoh Sanders. Oh, uh, okay. We're in Vermont. Uh, I, I, I saw this. I, I forget for how much. It was pretty affordable. It was under 10 bucks. And this is the last. You know, I really wanted Karma, Black Unity, uh, Tembi, and then this one these are the four that i i really 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 wanted and um there are a few other ones that I, I i will probably buy you know over the years but those are the ones that just i was most 
excited about and so glad I found it. You know, just great spiritual jazz, avant-garde jazz, a lot of uh, kind of African elements and just uh, great, great implementation of world music, which frankly, each of the albums I've purchased that I, I would I would consider kind of off albums, I think that's been the main issue. Either they get way too saccharine with the world music influence or uh, specifically with his early stuff, he just was leagues ahead of any players that he could work with. Like, especially on his debut, which I think is just called, like, Pharaoh Sand... Like, it's quasi-self-titled. He's, mm-hmm. like, doing all this crazy stuff on his sax, and it's basically just a regular Bach, you know, quartet or quintet underneath. And it, <laughs> yeah. it just it, it, it just does not make any sense. Like, it just... It sounds wrong, frankly. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I, I, that's kind of what happens when, uh, when Sun Ra takes you on pretty early. <laughs> yeah <laughs> he just has that effect exactly and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't his fault or his band's fault but just yeah. collectively it's like yeah this just just feels like you're not on the same page even though you're trying to be but this um is just a, a great great album and again really really was stoked to find it nice nice man well so uh on my end of things so I, I I ended up taking like a little walk down memory lane, so to speak, because uh, it's been it's been a while since I've listened to like a Zorn album, uh, and I I just I for, for whatever reason I really don't know why, but uh, I ended up just taking a couple off the shelf the on uh, the last week and just listening to them, and uh, this one immediately hit me as an album of the week. So uh, Naked City, that's uh, the, uh, there but, you go, but it's uh, it's not that self titled. Uh, Naked City album that, that that just the name of the band Naked City. Uh, the album I don't even know if it's, it's technically an album. I think it might technically be an EP, but it's called uh, Leng Che. Okay. Um, it's not as well known as the other albums because it's again EP. Uh, but it, basically, it's it's a drone metal album. They they basically wrote uh you know one of those like really fast songs that shows up on Torture Garden. And uh, but then slowed it down, uh, and it's a really really cool listen. Like it, it reminds me a little bit of like Painkiller in a way because you have like a lot of just like this really roomy space going on, mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, you know sort of stuff being thrown at you in between these really long guitar riffs. Uh, you know, and uh, Yamataka I is just like you know all over the place vocally is just going nuts and Zorn goes nuts a little later on saxophone and some really awesome drum fills courtesy of Joey Barron you know it's just it's, it's an awesome listen uh you know it's it's I think it's probably like around like 25 minutes uh so it's, you know it's not incredibly long and it was actually at the end of uh like if you buy the Naked City uh box set it's it's at the end of their last album Absinthe um so you know it was a cool way to end that you know, I I would still prefer to have it like on a separate disc, just because I think it's a cool, it's cool enough to listen to on its own. But um, yeah, so that is the first one, and the second one, nice. I I just I I just had to look around for uh you know th- through my uh my music journal basically of stuff I've listened to over the past week or so, and uh, there, there's one that really uh hit me I think the, like the right way, so um. Uh, this album is called uh, Golden Shower of Hits by the band uh, Circle Jerks. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, this was an I don't think I've listened to this album for years. Uh, I, I'm a really big fan of uh, Circle Jerks' debut album, Group Sex. It's uh-huh. like 10 minutes long. Fucking great album. Um, and, you know, I wanted to buy a copy of uh, their second album, Wild in the Streets for a long time but i just never was able to because i think i think the only recent like reissued it or something like that um but i listened to this this album golden shower of hits um you know a long time ago and so i put it on again because i was i was i was looking for something to walk to that was like right around 27 minutes because that's about as long as it takes for the walk so um it it was it was a lot of fun just a lot of energy uh, you know, maybe not the best Circle Jerks album uh, I've heard, and you know I think Keith Morris is kind of one note. Like um, he was like sort of the affectations that that are sort of the, the way he was, you know, using his vocals in this album. 
he was still using them in the same way in uh, his new project off, which, you know, has, they, they came out their debut, I think like this decade. <laughs> so like <laughs> not a lot of change there, but still really fun album. Uh, the album cover is hilarious. It's just a bunch of symbols just tucked into a urinal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> there we go. So yeah, last albums of the week, uh, for the year. Well, technically. So I'm just going to say this now. So people who are listening are sort of cued in. Um, we're doing our albums of the week next week. And then the week after, uh, we're sort of, we're, we're just going to put a, um, a hidden episode that we did a while ago that we sort of had left over. Uh, which I think is our Avantasia episode, actually. Yeah, um, I think it might be, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just, and then we'll be off for the rest of the year until, uh, you know, first week of January, where we'll be talking about our um, sort of goals for this year musically and sort of what we're hoping will come out this year, et cetera, et cetera. So, thanks for listening, and we will uh, be back next week. Thanks a lot. All right, bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that, uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishara Podcast on Twitter. And our email, I think, is Seishara Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.